0: Hi, I'm Dr. Gary Crotez. I'm the author of The Idea Mindset, host of the Unlock Moment podcast and an executive coach to high-performing leaders around the world. Welcome to this Master Locksmith Masterclass here on the Unlock Moment. The Unlock Moment podcast is all about discovering remarkable clarity about the path ahead. In these Master Locksmith Masterclass episodes, I bring you expert insight, ideas, and exercises that you can put into practice straight away as you figure out your own path ahead. And it's all brought to life with real examples from some of my guests on the Unlock Moment podcast. Sit back, listen in, and see what you can take away and put into practice. Welcome to my Master Locksmith Masterclass. Hello, dear listener. In this Master Locksmith Masterclass, I'm going to bring to life a topic that shows up frequently in my interviews with guests on the Unlock Moment, and it's going to help you find your own remarkable clarity about the path ahead. I'll give you my perspective and some tips and tricks on how you can put it into action. You'll also hear a number of extracts from conversations with my guests on the Unlock Moment, so you can hear how these topics show up in real people's stories of remarkable change. This Master Locksmith Masterclass is all about the subject of finding happiness. It's at the heart of the idea mindset. The E of idea stands for engagement, i.e. designing a future life that you love. Let's start out with an extract from the idea mindset where I talk about idea, how you discover your identity and direction for a future with engagement and authenticity. When I was growing up, We used to play a board game from the 1950s, a bit like Monopoly, called Careers. In the middle of the board were a series of career paths that you worked your way along. The different careers, farming, business, Hollywood, uranium, moon, presented opportunities to win and lose money, fame and happiness points. Going into business, you could earn a promotion and up your salary. But if you landed on the too ambitious square, then you got fired and ended up unemployed on the park bench. Going to Hollywood could make you rich and famous, but land on the scandal square and you'd lose all your happiness points. You won the game by achieving your secret success formula, which you had to write down on a piece of paper at the start of the game. You had to amass 60 points across the categories of money, fame, and happiness. Some people would devise a balanced success formula, aiming to gain 20 points in each category. Others would put all their chips on one, pursuing 60 points of money or fame and forgetting all about happiness. You had to decide what your priority was and commit to it. It's no surprise that the game was invented by a leading sociologist, Dr. James Cook Brown. In life, as in the board game, you generally can't have everything. You can't have all the money and all the happiness and all the fame. You have to decide what's important to you in real life and then go after it. For you, it might be all about happiness. Maybe you're completely motivated by money. Perhaps you just want to be famous, even if just within your industry. Or it could be that you want a bit of all three. So how do you choose? Well, that's something that's very personal to you. Your idea mindset will underpin what you consider to be important. With your idea mindset, you will fully understand who you are, your identity, You will have a clear sense of what your ideal future working life looks like. You'll recognize how to get there, your direction. You will feel fully engaged with the work you're doing. And what you do will feel authentic to your values and core purpose. When my coaching clients start working with me on the idea mindset journey, they do a simple assessment of their starting point in terms of identity, direction, engagement and authenticity. When my coaching clients start the idea mindset journey, they do a simple assessment of their starting point in terms of identity, direction, engagement, and authenticity. What is always interesting is how wide-ranging the responses are among different people when asked whether they feel a lack of clarity on their identity, low engagement with their work, or a poor sense of direction or authenticity. What is always interesting is how wide-ranging the responses are among different people when asked whether they feel a lack of clarity on their identity, low engagement with their work, or a poor sense of direction or authenticity. Yet, when I ask the question, was the outcome of the assessment a surprise, the answer is invariably no. People seem to know their gaps, they just need help to fill them. Let's look at the four elements of your idea mindset. Identity. Your identity is your sense of self. It's who you are, what you stand for, and the issues that are important to you. It encompasses what your strengths are and the situations in which you excel. Your identity is reflected in how others perceive you and whether that chimes with how you feel about yourself. A strong sense of identity sounds like I'm doing the job I love and I choose to be right here doing exactly this. I'm not surprised I enjoy my job because I'm doing things I'm really good at. I knew what was going to come up in my performance review, both the good and the bad. A weak sense of identity sounds like I don't really know what kind of job I should be doing. I don't understand why I find my job so difficult and frustrating. I was really surprised that my team think I'm a micromanager. Maybe I'm just a terrible boss. Direction. Your direction is your clarity about the path ahead of you. It's what your long-term goals are, your big vision. It's knowing which way you turn when faced with a choice. Without a clear sense of direction, you can feel lost in the wood and overwhelmed when you have to make decisions. You might second-guess decisions you've already made. A strong sense of direction sounds like In a few years' time, I'd really like to be running my own business. I've been offered an opportunity to spend a year abroad. I thought about it hard, but I turned it down. It wasn't a good fit for me. I left a job last year because I felt my progression opportunities were limited. The company did well this year, and I could have got a significant bonus if I'd stuck around for a while longer, but I made the right call for me. A weak sense of direction sounds like I'm still waiting for someone to offer me the role I feel I deserve. They know where I am. I open my emails in the morning, start working through the crises and hope I get to the critical stuff finished by the end of the day. I don't have the time to think about what I actually want to be doing. I did sketch out the beginnings of a plan last year for what I wanted to achieve, but I think it ended up in one of my desk drawers. I can't remember. Engagement. Your engagement is your level of connection with your life and work. It's how enthusiastic you are about the day ahead and how much of a sense of fulfilment you feel at the end of the day. Do you miss your work when you're not able to do it? Are you working in environments and with people who bring out the best in you? Without a good level of engagement, you can feel bored or distracted with little impetus to achieve more. You might feel like quitting because you can't face it anymore rather than quitting because you want to pursue an exciting new opportunity. A strong sense of engagement sounds like, I'm really excited about what I'm going to be doing today. This is my dream job. I genuinely enjoy spending time with my colleagues. I like talking with my friends outside of work about the stuff I do for a living. A weak sense of engagement sounds like, Oh no, Monday morning again. Tuesday morning again. Wednesday morning again. I can't think of anything much that I'm proud of doing in my work. It's just a job. Is it nearly time to go home yet? Just waiting for the clock to get round to the top of the hour. Authenticity. When your behaviour and choices connect with your values and sense of purpose, you access a deep sense of authenticity. Do you feel passionate about what you do? People with a strong sense of authenticity often manage their emotions well. You can make sense of even the difficult times because you're completely clear on your choices and actions. You're mindful of how the work you do impacts others and makes a difference for them. You lead with responsibility. A strong sense of authenticity sounds like, I can tell you exactly why I'm here doing what I'm doing. I get energy from making a difference to people in need. You can count on me to show up. If you need me to be there, I'll be there, all in. A weak sense of authenticity sounds like, I'm just doing this for the money. One day, when I've saved up, I'll take up the career I really love. I don't agree with some of the things we do, but it's more hassle than it's worth to mention it. I get so frustrated all the time at work, but I don't think it would make any difference to say anything. When these four elements, identity, direction, engagement, and authenticity, are your guiding principles, your idea mindset is unlocked. In organizations, employee engagement matters. Research by the Gallup organization demonstrates that if you compare companies in the top quartile of most engaged employees with those in the bottom quartile with the least engaged employees, you see 81% lower absenteeism. 10% better customer loyalty, 18% better productivity, and 23% greater profitability. In low turnover organisations, those who churn less than 40% of their staff each year, staff turnover is 43% lower in businesses with high employee engagement. How we feel about the work we do isn't just a nice to have, it's actually a direct driver of measurable business performance too. But at this point in time, we're also experiencing a burnout epidemic. We've been talking about the Great Reset or Great Resignation for some time now. Even as we come out of the pandemic, PwC says that more than a fifth of workers are expecting to change jobs in the next year. In a survey of 65,000 employees, McKinsey found reported burnout rates of 1 in 3 for men and over 40% for women. In my own journey, I've become more and more selective when making choices about the path ahead to figure out what makes me happy. Usually, it's when I'm doing work that aligns with my natural talents and strengths and that connects with my personal values and sense of purpose. I remember when I first decided to write my book, The Idea Mindset. My motivation was that alignment with sense of purpose, which for me is to make a difference to people. By creating a book that people around the world could pick up, read and work through I was making my content available to a much bigger audience of people who could access it for just the cost of a paperback instead of having to pay me for personal coaching, and I don't come cheap. Making this thinking easily available is my way of making a difference, and that makes me deeply happy. As I started doing interviews with my guests on the Unlock Moment podcast, I heard many of those same themes coming through. Let's listen to some of my guests on the Unlock Moment talking about their pursuit of happiness. This journey all started with one of my first ever coaches, actor and talent manager Samuel Horton, talking about the essence of his personal drive, that tension between success and happiness. It wasn't obvious to him for the longest time what his fundamental motivation was, but when he gave himself the time to do the thinking he needed to do, it was a revelation. Listen to this extract from his story all the way back in episode one of the unlock moment. It's really interesting. So, so that so the question was, why do you do what you do? That 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 was what well, that was what you're working through. Why why is it that you act? And, and and this will sound like an obvious question.
1: Yeah. But absolutely. Tell me more about why that was an important thing for you to resolve. I think For me, when I understood the why, it put into sharper focus where I was heading. Not that I can necessarily answer that for you, but I have a stronger idea of what that looks like. And it also became the fuel that would get me to that destination. So it affected my journey from every single angle. And like I say, I don't just apply that principle to acting. I apply that to life is this situation i'm in making me happy um if not what needs to change do i need to change Does the situation needs to change is it a case of i just need to sit in this for a bit and then the end result will be happy you know it's it, it it's really ex- expanded my view of situations and enabled me to feel like i'm in control of them mm. and
0: we'll come in a second to that actual moment of realization. But tell tell me a little bit more about what what did it feel like to be you in leading up to that time when you know we've been working together for some time and you've been working through a, a process of change. But as you articulate, you hadn't quite landed on this point yet. What, what emotions were you experiencing at that time? What did it feel like to be you at at that time before you made that breakthrough
1: moment? In 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 the long term before. I was just quite I was just quite laxadaisical about life. I just kind of it, it it used to be this thing that would just happen to me instead of me living life. Um and just sometimes that that could be quite anxiety inducing when I felt like I had absolutely no idea of what I was doing or any control over what I was doing. Um particularly when you then see your peers achieving things and you think why am I not doing that? Should I be doing that? That was always quite triggering for me. Um in the immediate before my unlocked moment, we'd been working together for a few months, and I was absolutely livid with you. I was going, "Why do I have to make this decision? I think I can do both. Why that? Like I was, I was, I was. That was a, a tough wrestling match um, to kind of wrestle through that question and get to an answer. And we still, I think, I think if memory serves. We landed on this question, and then I went away and I kind of sat with it. We then proceeded to have at least two or three sessions where we'd come back each time, and I hadn't got any further with it. And we'd kind of hash it out for an hour. And again, this is why I was in Korea, and because of time differences, I remember I would come back from a show and we'd be doing it at something like 11 p.m. my time, and I would be tired, and I was like, "Ah," but actually, you know, hindsight being a lovely thing. That that was just a manifestation of um years and years of uncertainty and anxiety kind of building up. And all of a sudden I was confronted with this decision that I knew I had to make because you weren't going to let me not. Um and who are you wrestling with? Myself. Ah, uh, just myself? No. Myself and if I say society, that makes me sound like I, I think I'm a revolutionary. Um but I think I think. It's important to acknowledge your journey through life and expectations that have been placed on you from those around you as you've journeyed through, if that makes sense. After all of that struggle, you know, over time, through Hmm. some sessions we had together through the thinking that you were doing, what was the moment where you found that breakthrough point of clarity? What triggered the unlock moment? The only thing I can put it down to is that I had sat with it long enough, um, and I woke up. I think it was it, it was very early. I sent you that message from my bed, and was like, "I think this is it. What do you think?" And I think you just messaged back something like, "Yes," <laughs> and that was it. And we, you know, and we. We spoke, as you know. I think, I think, I think my, I think my answer was a bit longer. I think it was the understanding that because you, because I was choosing to focus on my happiness, didn't mean I would never be the best in the world at what I did. But it was choosing where I was going to put my efforts and what would ultimately um, define the choices I would make in the future. And and that's where I am, and that's 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 where I've been led to, and that's how I'm living.
0: And that's something that's very striking for me that that you know we never worked on or intended to work on the practical changes in your life in that way. But, you know, when we were first working together, you were doing couch to five K, you know, and now you signed up like an idiot for a marathon. Um, you know, it's it's striking changes that have happened to you. You hadn't been um in the cast of a UK tour of a big Western musical. Before and now you are now what's interesting for me reflecting is that when before you hadn't got to your unlock moment and you were talking about your aspirations around um, achievement and success there's many of things that you're experiencing now that absolutely fit there but what something that I notice is that the freedom in your thinking that came from figuring out why you were doing what you were doing and what it was really about actually have, has supported or unlocked the, the ability to do many of those things that previously you were trying to get to by by pushing and trying and striving, and now I, you know, my observation of you is that is that you've relaxed into things that, of course, brings out your best, and unsurprisingly, other people notice. Um So, so, and it's interesting because what often people think that the choice between two different paths or two different philosophies is to let something go. But actually in your case, I'm not sure you have let anything go that you wanted. Um, So, so what have you learned about
1: yourself from going through this journey from going through this journey for having these experiences? I've learned I'm even more stubborn than I ever realized. Um, But, but actually in that to, again, to kind of run into it and to, you know we kind of we said we said early on in our work together, this isn't about changing anything about you if it's about it's it's just about is it even improving? I don't know. I think it's just unlock- like unlocking other ways of thinking if you then choose to make changes based on that, then that's completely your decision, and I have and I will continue to and that's great um. But so I don't, you know, I don't think my stubbornness was was ever anything that needed to change. It was just something. It's, it's actually kind of served me very well in this situation because it, it led me, it led me to a terrific um, realization. Um, I think I've also learned to to embrace, you know, actually this is this is along the same thing to to embrace everything about myself, my resilience, my um, you know the way I look, what I can do, what I enjoy doing, and I've really. Enjoyed kind of through that falling in love with myself. That sounds that sounds really narcissistic, and I don't mean it in that way. But really, really enjoying investing in myself and seeing the good that comes from that, and the good that I'm then able to put out. Like on a very basic level, if I'm if I'm giving myself the time to go for a run every day, then I'm able to sign up for this marathon, which I'm running for Make a Wish Foundation, and that's really cool. Um, So I think it's taught me to just enjoy myself and enjoy this life because we only get one. So you might as well live it to the fullest.
0: That was actor Samuel Horton talking about the impact of choosing happiness in setting him on a new path in terms of motivation and drive. Hear more of that conversation in episode one of The Unlock Moment. US-based strengths coach Micah Lawrence came on the Unlock Moment for episode five and talked about his decision to leave the corporate world and pursue his passion for facilitation and coaching. It was his understanding of his natural talents and strengths that helped him to figure out the way of working that was going to make him truly happy. What I want you to listen for in this extract is how Micah paints such a vivid picture of what it feels like to live a life in alignment with your natural talents and strengths. And I know that not everyone listening will necessarily be fluent in this language of Clifton strengths, but it's this model of understanding your natural talents and strengths and, what, and learning about yourself in, in your most sort of core way. Like it's not about your skills. It's not about your experiences. Yeah. It's about really who you are. Can, can you bring to life for the listener some of your top talents and strengths and how that plays through to this thing about you need creativity? What, yeah, how does that shine through?
2: Well, I would say one of the one of the primary strengths that influences my need for creativity is my number one strength is communication, and most people don't. If you've ne- if you're not familiar with the Clifton strengths, a lot of people assume that it means you're a good communicator. But like you said, Gary, it's deeper than that. It's that you need an opportunity to share your voice, to be on stage, to have other people be an audience and listen to you. And it can be as simple as storytelling, having somebody to tell a story to at a party or you know, one-on-one, or it could be presenting, performing, being on stage. It's, it's amazing how often I talk to people with high communication and ask them, do you play an instrument or did you ever perform growing up? And it's amazing how often there's a correlation there that needing to be on stage and finding joy in performing for others comes from that communication strength. So I think that's a big one. I also have high woo and high self-assurance. And the the woo is this desire to to be friendly, to make friends quickly and to get people to like you. And when you pair that with with communication, it's very much it's very much a performing combination. And so when I What does woo mean to to be the Oh Yes, good. Yeah. Woo stands for winning others over so very much uh, that getting getting people to like you is almost like a fun challenge. And I, I, and I always felt that I, I'll tell you there was I remember this this moment maybe it wasn't a moment but it was a series of moments when I was performing in in uh, the a cappella group at university where everybody the group would transition people in and out over the years once you graduated you couldn't be in the group anymore you had to be a student so every year some people would graduate and we would have auditions and bring new people in and so when i came in the way that we did performances were we would we would plan out the whole show and have song by song what we felt like was a natural flow some up songs some down songs so that it wasn't all one energy the whole time and i noticed that we always went straight from the end of one song to the beginning of another. We would pause for 20 seconds and introduce the next song. And one thing I started doing that had never been done before is I was like we've got thousands of people here in front of us and we we know nothing about them. We have no interactions with them. I'm going to go I'm going to walk off stage and I'm going to go talk to some of these people. And so in the middle of a concert when it was my turn to introduce the next song, sometimes I would just like wander off the stage and crack jokes or interact with people, and just learn learn from people, ask them questions like hey what do you who do you think in the group this thing is true of?" and like a little trivia and at first, I just did it on the fly, and it was natural, and eventually everybody started doing it too. and so our shows became this really entertaining thing that uh, started with me just being in a moment of strength where I let that woo and the communication and the, and the self-assurance to try something that hadn't been tried before, let that guide me to have those kinds of interactions with people. And bringing it back to a, the way that I work now, I use those same tactics when I facilitate a group in a team development workshop at a corporation or at a startup. It's the same kind of joy that I got out of performing in college I get to experience that every time I'm meeting with a team. And it's it's unlike, if you if you don't know what that's like, or you can't hear how fun that is for me, think of something that's really enjoyable for you, where you're in the flow, you're in the moment, you love every second of it. And imagine you get to do that for your job. That's what it feels like.
0: So this is what's so fascinating for me. So this, exactly what you described, has been there, all the way through and you can you can weave the thread through and yet in your unlock moment it took somebody else your wife in this case saying something to you to make you wake up to it so bring it bring us right into that moment what yeah. was happening just before it happened what were you thinking what were you feeling and then take us right through that moment and and how it changed things for you yeah,
2: that that is a great question and and I actually hear I hear that same question being asked to people I've coached who, who have experienced what I'm about to tell you. And it's that I think that for whatever reason, and maybe we dig, we dig into why this is, but as a father and as a provider, I felt like it was my responsibility to prioritize my family's needs over my own. And that the job that I had, being safe and providing plenty of income and stability to support my growing family that that was more important than my career joy and i felt i think i felt that sense of responsibility for the entire time that i was working the 11 years that i was in a corporate role and i think my wife asking that question why don't you do this full time it it created just the tiniest little opening in my brain that allowed me to entertain the idea that maybe I can have both and that her expectations for me might have been different than my own expectations that I was projecting on her for me, if that makes sense. I was, I think, assuming my wife would want me to do this too because it provides for our family. And for her to come out and say, you're obviously happier when you do this kind of work. Why don't you do more of that kind of work? It almost gave me permission to explore this idea that maybe I can provide for my family and have career joy, even if, admittedly, I make much less money doing what I do now than I did. I mean, you, you are in the medical field, so you, you would know that too. But I, I wouldn't trade it for the world because I am providing for my family, and I love what I do every day. I, I have both now.
0: That was leading strengths coach Micah Lawrence bringing to life the feeling of intentionally choosing to do work in alignment with your natural talents and strengths. Hear more of that conversation in episode 5 of the Unlock Moment. For many people, the route to happiness is through connecting with your authentic self, that is to understand your true values and then to make choices to do things or to stop doing things based on those values. I found it very interesting hearing former education technology executive Nick Novak describing how just knowing your values is not enough. In episode 17 of The Unlock Moment, Nick tells the story of the moment when he realized he had to take action in order to conquer burnout and find true happiness. When I'm working with my coaching clients, one of the first things that we talk about is values. Because... If you don't know what yeah. your values are. And and when I say values, I mean not only things that are important to you, but things that are so important to you that you change your behaviors as a result of them. You start to do things you weren't doing before, you stop doing things that that don't fit with your values. If you don't have that, then it can be quite difficult to make these kind of decisions. And I'm 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 noticing in your in your story that that I think the time when you first Th- thought about with with your wife mm. mapping out what those values were that was before you started in in that in that role so so how how did that help you to be able to make that decision to jump on the rocket ship
3: i'm not sure i i fully i fully knew what to do with my values in 2007 we um sorry, this 2000, 2008 rather sorry we had, uh we were just married and we had sort of sat down at some point and and said you know we hear we hear money's this thing that can really really get in the middle of relationships it can tear people up like we should we should read some books we should kind of get our house in order on this and again a very naive exploration of of just what what it meant to to tackle that issue in a marriage and so we Picked up a whole bunch of books, um, and one of those was called, and I, I cringe every time I think about this title, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's by David Bach. It's called Smart Couples Finish Rich. And, oh, boy, um, I know, I know. Yeah. If only your listeners could see that you're laughing. because <laughs> It's, oh, my goodness, this title. But, but aside from any of the financial advice in it, it had this exercise, which was quite transformative and um it's one that i often come back to and it was something that he called the value circle and there's you know you, you can get into the complexities of 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 the actual circle itself and weighing things up and blah 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 all that but it really just boils down to this it's understanding what are the five things that make you happy you know not ranking them just what are sort of five pillars of your life that bring you joy that make you happy. Asking yourself what those are, mapping it, and then investing in that. You know, not just saying, oh, I like to go camping or like to do this or what it's 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 saying these are the these are the things that that really not just make me who I am, but really bring me joy in a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. And then doing something about it together, whether it's as a couple, how you Spend your money or spend your time or whatever it is it's 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 truly just making sure that you invest intentionally in that, and so we read this book, and we go through the exercise and i and i <laughs> and i i think I very quickly rattle off my my five freedom and that isn't like in a go america way. Freedom for me meant owning my time, you know being able to spend my time the way i i I want the second one, which was quite abstract and and allison gives me a little bit of grief for understandably um second one is is energy and and for me what that means is well doing things like this is is new experiences new people jumping in and trying things and it you know that was one that was kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around i think when i first said it it, i i i I was equating it to skydiving or something like that just (laughs) You know, I I grew up as a very introverted kid. Um, or at least I thought I did. I was I was a very nerdy kid. Um, Nick, I'm still quite a nerdy kid. <laughs> but but uh, but that but that to me meant meant introvert. Uh, and I think what I discovered over time is actually I do get my energy from being around other people. I I, I am an extrovert. Understanding that and leaning into that Matters, uh, you know, it, it, it means that I, you know, I'll want to do the podcast with Gary, or I'll want to go get a coffee with someone, you know, or, or I'm just going to ping that, that CEO on LinkedIn and say, Hey, how can I help? I'm just going to sort of reach out and do things, have new experiences and new people. Values three and four where our friends and family. Maybe self explanatory, but for me, it's something that has always been, always been important and that, that can mean. Not just spending time with people, but uh, if, for example, when I was in New York, um, saying that family was important meant on that walk home from from Midtown from time to time, or if I'm getting off the subway or whatever it would be, I would just take out my phone and pick one of the family or friends' favorites and talk to someone for 15 minutes or an hour or whatever it would be. But I would just in my mind mark that time as my sort of friends and family catch-up time, and that. May sound like a really minor thing, but it meant that I had this discipline of doing it every week, and that discipline of investing in something that that I know brings me happiness and then the fifth one for me is service um, uh and uh and and this value can can take shape in a num- number of different ways uh sometimes it it overlaps quite a bit with 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 faith but it but I'd say the more abstract version is my whole life, I've just wanted to help you know if anyone ever said what I wanted to do in my career or with my time um, I, I would almost always respond with oh, I just want to help people and I didn't really know what that meant for a long time, but I knew that it it, it was something that i I was called to do in some capacity and I think it was it's what which drove me to social enterprise um, very early on in my career freedom energy, family friends, and service and I mapped these in 2008 some of them were pretty clear to me so the family and friends thing getting on the phone with someone giving them giving someone a call from time to time that was clear freedom energy i'm not sure i totally understood how to make that work but that's where it started and then it was about going on this journey over following nearly 15 years to look at okay well how do i really intentionally invest in these things? How do we make it more than just a phone call from time to time? And when I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling unhappy, when I'm feeling beaten down by something, taking a step back and saying, am I investing in my values? In almost every case, I can look back and I can see very clearly my unhappiness with work or life or whatever it might be. There's there's a clear correlation between that unhappiness and a lack of investment in the things that I've said make me happy. Um, it's so interesting. It's it's so clear. It's so, and what's what's so funny about all this is is this doesn't sound overly complex. It's not, <laughs> but you know, we get so caught up in the whirlwind of life, or get caught up in doing that thing that we think we're supposed to be doing, or just trying to get that project over the line, or whatever it is that. Perhaps in some cases, because we've jumped in with two feet to try to do that one thing, to, to do it really, really well, we sometimes forget that actually you need to jump in with two feet to the next thing. You need to take time away. You need to understand when it's time to step back from something. Those have been hard, hard learned lessons.
0: That was EdTech entrepreneur Nick Novak talking about figuring out how to intentionally activate his values to find happiness. Hear more of that conversation in episode 17 of the Unlock Moment. In the idea mindset, I talk about how you can reframe your thinking from negative spirals to positive spirals. When I'm working with my coachees, I often talk about a metaphor of being on the ski slope. Imagine you're standing on a small plateau halfway up the slope in your skis and all your kit. Take one step forward and you'll start to slide down the slope, going faster and faster, down and down, and eventually you'll get overwhelmed by an avalanche. Take one step in the opposite direction and you climb onto the ski lift that takes you in a controlled manner up the mountain and to experience the incredible view from the top. You don't need to think about the avalanche or the view from the top. All that matters is the direction of your first step. It's the first step that determines whether you're tumbling into the avalanche, that's the negative spiral, or heading up the mountain to the summit, that's the positive spiral. Here's an exercise that will help you to change that first step. It's a power move from the idea mindset called positivity push. In this exercise, you're going to look at your natural responses to negative situations and find ways to reframe them in a positive light. Here are some examples of immediate responses and how they might be reframed in the future. Why are you wasting my time? Becomes. Thank you for coming to me with your problem. How can I help? This is the most stressful project I've ever done. Becomes. It's hard, but I'm learning so much on this project. I've had to work the weekend yet again. Becomes, I'm going to have an honest conversation with my manager about work-life balance. I've lost my job, my life is over. Becomes, maybe this is the opportunity I need to reset and shift to a new type of role. I'm so overwhelmed, I just can't face it. Becomes, all I need to do is take one step today and I'll face the rest tomorrow. I put myself first, that was selfish. Becomes, I put myself first, that was good for me and helps me to help others. Think of a time recently when you were extremely frustrated by something that happened, something someone said, or something someone did. What was the situation and what was your immediate instinctive response? What was the voice in your head saying? Now think about how you can frame that response in a more positive light. Over the next few days, I want you to notice those moments when that voice pipes up and your instinctive response is negative. Noticing the voice is the first step in making a change. Practice turning that negative into a more positive thought. Practice stepping onto the ski lift instead of heading down the slope into the avalanche. The environment around you is such an influencer of your happiness too. In episode 23 of The Unlock Moment, TV and theatre star and Strictly Come Dancing champion Joanne Clifton reflected on the time in her professional dancing career when she was at her happiest and also the time that challenged her the most. So when you look back to that time and you think of the moment where you were not at your best technically, but at your best in terms of feeling like I really love what I'm doing right now. Like in in your best self, in in that part of your career. What
4: what do you think of? I was very happy at the beginning when I first went over because everything was new, obviously, and it felt great. Um, the the higher I got in terms of results, obviously, things got harder, and it gave me more anxiety and it was uh, yeah things got harder but the, if i think of when i'm when i was happy i had a really good relationship with my dance partner that i was dancing with at the time and the fact that i was there I it's weird because i had this conversation with another girl english girl who moved to italy as well the fact that you're there in a different country away from the other people that you've competed against before you feel like you're doing something so different it gives you this weird feeling not necessarily it doesn't have necessarily mean that you're better or anything like that but you you're just away from that you've decided to break out of that pack and go into this other place um and that's how I felt the first few years there being in this sunny Italy living there speaking another language being around all Italians and all these other people from around the world who were coming uh who were coming to to the school and practicing alongside other world champions and things like that and I think you know the first up to about 20 up to my early 20s that was my happiest time and actually you know toughest in terms of money getting by kind of thing but happy I was going and I was trained in a certain way and I just felt cool Do you know what I mean
0: <laughs> you know a lot of people who would have heard like high performance podcasts and you 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 listen to people who've become a world champion, often there there is something a little bit obsessive about the way they think and the way they train, because of course to become the best in the world, when everybody else who are, you know, the most talented are also working incredibly hard, it can be a bit nuts in in a certain kind of way. In the way that, you know, there are many people who become very, very good, but still in a way that is just enjoyable in every way there's a lot of people who who've gone through that experience of going to reach my ultimate goal I do find myself in a situation that is often not fun yeah in 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 the way that that it was before but then you're describing here some some elements where by the nature of you're in a team of two particularly intense type of environment it's very if you're on your own Becoming world champion if you're a sprinter or something, that's one thing. Or if you're in a team of eleven or fifteen, that's something. Something very intense about being just you and one other person. It, it,
4: it was it was intense. It was very very intense, especially because of the difference of level that we were at at that time. And so I had to just go with whatever he said because he knew best. He was the six-time world champion. What was I going to say? Oh no, you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? Um, so there's a lot of times where I was. So tired, so anxious from all eyes on me, all eyes on me. Because why did he choose to dance with me? Do you know what I mean? Why? Uh, let's have a look. You know, there's a lot of jealousy and stuff like that. But and
0: it, and you mentioned it started to impact your your resilience or mental health in some ways with anxiety. Your and you talked about eating disorders and so on. So you know, it, it had real impact on on you in that period of time.
4: Absolutely, and I think. Doesn't make me sad. It just—it was so tough. When I say tough, I mean it was really, really tough. Physically, mentally, just everything. That that time when I, when I was trying to win a world championship for me, you know, it wasn't particularly like that. I couldn't go. Oh yeah, it was so exciting. It was so glamorous. It was so happy. Because it wasn't. It was. It was the opposite of that. It was such hard work. Such hard work. And drain, draining. It was draining, and because I was dancing with someone who was so good, so good, and he knew what was right more than me, and I just accepted it. But like, even when we we won the European Championship, I remember come off, and he wasn't happy with the way that I danced. So it wasn't a happy day, you know, when we won. It wasn't. It wasn't great because because he'd been unhappy with with how I danced.
0: What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you for?
4: I want people to remember me for being a great performer for my performances, but also being a nice person with it. Um obviously performing because I'm a performer, or oh, what we've talked about that you know, that's what I live for. Um and obviously to be known and have a great ones, making the audience feel feel something raw something real um that but in terms of being like a nice person and it's not so much like because of me trying to be appreciated by other people it's not so much that Uh, and whether this comes from You know, my grandma always saying, remember where you came from. You come from Grimsby Uh, or or whether it was how I have been treated in the past and I didn't like it. And I wouldn't like to be treated like that again or to ever treat someone like that, whether it's that or that. I just fully believe that the energy that you have, whatever you put out, that's what you're going to get back. And. I want to carry on living in my happy world I'm a ha. I consider myself a really happy person now don't get me wrong of course you know when there's difficult times especially now in the theatre world I'm going to go through you know not having a job I think there's anxieties and of course there's all of that but I'm so ha- I'm just a happy person in general like I'm I'm taking I'm taking me not working say right now not as a oh my gosh you know I'm a failure um I'm taking it as, oh my gosh, this is really exciting. What's gonna come next? And I feel like because I'm like that, then something nice is gonna come. Um so that's why I want to be women as nice as well, because I think the energy that you put out, you get back.
0: What I find so powerful about this conversation with Joanne is how ultimately she recognized that her happiness was grounded in her own sense of self and identity. Too often we allow others to define whether or not we can feel happy. But if you can pull it right back to who you are deep inside, you can take back control of your happiness. So what's the secret of happiness? Well, in my opinion, it's simply this. Do what aligns with your natural talents and strengths. Understand your values and purpose. And make what you do the same as what you care about the most. Trust your judgement and choose your friends wisely, the energy gainers, not the energy drainers. Remember that famous saying, never put the key to your happiness in someone else's pocket. This has been a Master Locksmith Masterclass here on The Unlock Moment. I'm Dr. Gary Crotez and do listen in again soon. If you found this episode useful, do share it with your friends and leave a review. And subscribe to the Unlock Moment podcast to be the first to hear about new content. Thanks for listening.